And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, as you're turning, you know, our Sunday morning clean team just does a fantastic job. Since, since Sunday, May 31st, almost three months ago, almost three months ago, our clean team, Rich and Teresa Philman and Pastor Donnie Thomas and uh, um, Dan, Fletcher. Dan Fletcher, that's right. And just a bunch of other people have been really doing a great job. What they do is they disinfect every public area where your elbows are right now on, on those seat arms. They all get disinfected after every service. And uh, we've got a need. So we're kind of wearing out our team a bit. And we need some more of you to jump on board. In fact, we need at least 10 people who will say, Pastor, I'll help because I'll help clean after the 830 service and after the 1030 service and just disinfect uh, because many hands make light work. Amen. And if you're able to do that, if you'd see Pastor Donnie Thomas, he's standing right over here on my right hand side. If you'd see Pastor Donnie Thomas right after service, we'd like to get you signed up for that. We're starting a new series this morning called The Fight is Worth Fighting. The Fight is Worth Fighting. And I want to talk to you this morning about the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, excuse me, chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith. I'm convinced that some Christians read this verse and they stop reading after the very first word where they just read the word fight and they want to go fight with somebody. But he says, fight not with people, but fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Well, what's the good confession? The good confession is Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He is God become flesh. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the soon coming Messiah. He's the Holy Ghost baptizer. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He's my all in all. Hallelujah. Now note he says, fight the good fight of faith. When I was young, I used to dream of hitting home runs because I wanted to win the game. I dreamed of scoring touchdowns because I wanted to win the game. How many of you like to win? Let me see your hands. Come on. A whole lot of us, we like to win. Well, when you study the Bible from the people that you read of in Genesis all the way to Revelation, you'll find men and women, they like to win too. And many of them overcame insurmountable odds. They overcame grief and heartache by fighting the good fight of faith. And they became winners. And this life of serving our Lord Jesus Christ often involves some battles and involves some, some fights let me share with you some of those things that we often have to fight with. Number one, sometimes we have to fight with ourselves. Sometimes we have to fight with our own attitude. Anybody need an attitude adjustment? Sometimes we have to fight our own habits and our carnality and our flesh and our weaknesses. Our pastors, our male pastors have been reading a book together the last several weeks 
called The Secret in the Pew. And The Secret in the Pew was written by a man named David Blythe. And David said that he and his family used to look like model Christians. They were in church every Sunday morning, every midweek service. If there was a special service, they were in the house of the Lord. They were serving in the house of the Lord. His children were involved in all the youth and children's activities. But David said he had a secret. And his secret is that he was addicted to internet pornography. He said nobody he thought knew about it. Not his wife, not his kids, nobody. And David Rice, he says, you know, he says, I used to think I'm in control. I can stop this anytime I want to. And he said often he would come under conviction and he would say, okay, God, I'll not do this again. But he said invariably he'd find himself going back to pornography like a dog going back to its vomit. You know, dear ones, Alcoholics Anonymous says there's four times that alcoholics are especially vulnerable. There are four times that drug addicts are especially vulnerable. There's four times that you and I are especially vulnerable to anything that might border on an addiction. And that's just when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, and when we're tired, we can be susceptible to temptation. Remember, Jesus told us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I just want you to know that God wants you to overcome opportunities to be tempted. God wants you to overcome opportunities to engage in evil. Well, David writes that not only was he addicted, but eventually just looking at online pictures of Nude women was no longer turning him on and eventually he went out and he found people that would cooperate with him and try to fulfill his fantasies. And David writes, he says, it took me to the brink of suicide. Everybody look at me, everybody hear me. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll hold you longer than you want to stay. The devil has an agenda. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And willful, wanton sin in the life of a believer or an unbeliever. It gives the devil a legal right to traffic in your life. And David said the despair and the depression almost took him under. Well, sometimes we have to fight with our own flesh, our own carnality, our own habits that will take us under. Number two, sometimes I have to fight against becoming offended. The Greek word for offense is scandalizo. We get our word scandal from that same word. Scandalizo, it refers to the bait stick of a trap. And the devil wants you and I to become offended. I'll tell you why. Because the devil wants to take us out of this fight of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he can't take us out of the fight, he'll try to take the fight out of you. It's so easy to get offended. See, somebody can say or do something. They may do it innocently. But they'll say or do something and it can wound you down inside. I've, that's happened to me. I've had people say things to me and, and man, they walk away feeling okay. And I walk away feeling, ah, oh, that hurts. That's painful. And if I'm not careful, I've noticed something about myself that that offense, that offense can germinate inside me. It can marinate inside me. It can begin to ferment and it becomes resentment and it becomes unforgiveness and it becomes a grudge. Then it becomes bitterness and then it becomes hatred. 
Jesus said two things about offense. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said in the last days, he says, many are going to be offended. Have you noticed that today? Have you noticed people at work, people online, people, I mean, boy, people can say anything anonymously that they want to. People get offended so easily today. And I woke up at five o'clock this morning. I do not watch the evening news. I don't know what Fox or CBS or NBC or CNN or ABC. I don't know. I don't know what they're saying. I'll tell you why. Because about six years ago, I realized it was messing up my faith walk because they're not going to bring you anything that's good news. Good news does not sell. It's bad news that sells. It's bad news they try to get you to click on on your phone at five o'clock this morning. I try not to look at the news feed on my phone, but I do listen to the scriptures at 5 a.m. when I'm waking up. But a news story came up and apparently in Portland, Oregon yesterday, there were there were liberal activist groups and there were conservatives, conservative activist groups. And they were all marching at the same time and they ended up having some riots. Folks, people are so easily offended today. Jesus said it's a sign of the end of the age. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back again. Jesus said, many will be offended and many will be betrayed. They'll betray one another and they'll hate one another. And then in Luke chapter 17, Jesus said these words. He says, offenses are going to come. Somebody is going to offend you. Somebody is going to do something. If I have done anything to offend you, forgive me. I didn't mean to. Somebody will offend you. Somebody will hurt you. What I've learned to do is I've learned to take that hurt to the cross of Christ. I've learned to say, Jesus, I bring this hurt. I don't know if this person meant to say to do this or not. I don't know if they meant to hurt me or not. But Lord, I forgive them even as you have forgiven me. Lord, how many times have I messed up? How many times have I sinned? And I go back and I find that throne of grace. And you've never refused me. You've never said, no, 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 I don't have any more grace for you. So Lord, I extend grace to them. And I extend grace to everybody. And Lord, I want to walk in love because love never fails. Number three, not only do we have to fight ourselves and our own flesh and have to fight offense, but sometimes we've got to fight fear and worry and anxiety. Look at what the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 5, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and here's what he said. He says, for when we came, this is 2 Corinthians 7 verse 5, for when we came into Macedonia, let's stop right there. Everybody say Macedonia. How many think that, I'm not sure where Macedonia is. Let me make it simple. Macedonia is modern day Greece. Macedonia is in Europe. The gospel has never been to Europe. The gospel has been preached in Israel. The gospel gospel has been preached in Egypt. It's been preached in Turkey. But now the gospel is making its way to Europe. He says, when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest. Everybody say no rest. I don't think he's talking about physical rest there. I think he's talking about emotional and mental rest. Dear ones, the devil's got an agenda. He wants to wear you out. We had no rest, 
but we were harassed at every turn. Folks, the devil's got an agenda. He wants to harass your emotions. He wants you to feel harassed. This COVID-19 is harassing us. We were harassed at every turn. Now watch this. Conflicts on the outside. Have you ever been in conflict with somebody? It's no fun. He said we had conflicts on the outside and we had fears within. We had fears on the inside. Now, let's understand this. Paul was divinely called of God to take the gospel to Macedonia, to Philippi, to Europe. You remember the first part of Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, Timothy, they're having a prayer meeting. God, what should we do? They started to take the gospel into Bithynia. They started to go up by the, by the Black Sea, over there where Chevdet, Chevdet waved it, over where Chevdet's from in Turkey. They were starting to take the gospel up to Bithynia. But he had a dream. And in a vision, he saw a man of Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. I believe he saw the Philippian jailer actually in his vision. The Bible doesn't say that. But that's just Terrell's take on it. Saying, come over here and help us. And so his missionary team, they head off for Macedonia. But when they get there, they run into problems. You say, what were those problems again? Look at verse five. When we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Everybody say no rest. He says we were harassed on every side. Everybody, everybody say harassed. He said we had conflicts on the outside. Everybody say conflicts. We had fears on the inside. Everybody say fears. How many of you know that'll burn you out? How many of you know that's no fun? But Paul was divinely called. God called him to go to Macedonia. And he didn't let those things stop him. Everybody look at me. You and I are called to fight the good fight of faith, but there are some things that will try to hinder you from fighting the good fight of faith. The old devil will try to use conflict to hinder you from fighting the good fight of faith. He'll try to use fear to keep you and me from fighting the good fight of faith. He'll try to wear us out and harass us emotionally to wear the saints out so that we can no longer fight the good fight of faith. But I'm so glad the Apostle Paul just kept on fighting. He wrote to the Ephesians, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. See, people are not our enemies. Come on. People are not our enemies. We wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. See, there were principalities and powers over the city of Philippi that did not want to see the gospel going forth. But Paul, that tiger of Tarsus, he would not stop. He just kept on going. I'm going to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. Having this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind me, I'm going to press. I'm going forward. I'm not going to let difficulties. I'm not going to let heartache. I'm not going to let fear. I'm not going to let harassment. I'm not going to let conflict stop me, but I'm going forward in Jesus name. But the devil has an agenda. The devil wants to take you out of the fight. And if he can't do that, he wants to take the fight out of you. You know, that's what happened to John the Baptist. Over in Matthew chapter 11, take your Bibles and turn there if you will. Over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, we read it says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, 
he sent two of his disciples and said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that's supposed to come as the Messiah or did I miss it? Folks, remember who John is. See, John is discouraged. He's been arrested by Herod. He's been languishing in this dungeon for months and perhaps for years. It's rat infested. It's sewage infested. It's horrible. John is the same one who was baptizing people by the river Jordan. And Jesus walks up and John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He preached another message entitled, Jesus must increase, but John must decrease. It was John who baptized Jesus and he saw the Holy Spirit alight upon him in the form of a dove. It was John who preached another sermon entitled, I'm not worthy to tie Jesus' shoes. And in that sermon, he said, I baptized with water under repentance, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Without a doubt, John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But you see, he's been taken out of the fight. He's languishing in prison. And he says, Jesus, are, are you the Are you the Messiah or do we look for somebody else? And I love Jesus' response here. Because Jesus did not say, John, here are 10 reasons that you should believe I'm the Messiah. Look at his response. Verse 4. Jesus answered and said to him, you go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. And the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, I love this. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, why did Jesus answer John that way? Why did he say, go tell him what you hear and see? The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised. Why did he tell him this way? Because he knew that John knew the Old Testament scriptures. And he knew that John would remember Isaiah 35. Because Isaiah 35 is not a very long chapter. But it's a messianic chapter. It's looking forward to the future glory of Israel. And in verses 5 and 6 it says when the Messiah comes he's going to cleanse the lepers. And he's going to raise the dead. And he's going to cast out devils. And he's going he's to heal the lame. And he's going to heal the blind. And heal the deaf. He was simply steering John back to the Word of God. Dear ones, when you get weary, when you think about throwing in the towel, it's so important that we go to the Word of God. This Word's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Hallelujah. Let me share with you four lessons that we learned from this teaching today. In fact, just before I get into that, let me, let me go ahead and Point out a couple more things in this passage. He says in verse 6, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he. What does that mean? Remember that word offense means scandalizo. It means to take the bait of Satan and fall into a pit. That's what the devil wants you to do. And how does that happen? It happens when our prayers aren't answered the way we want to see them answered. I believe in prayer. 
I believe in intimacy and communion with God. But I try to hear from God in my prayer life as much as I try to tell him what's going on with me. Told you before, but Ruth Graham Bell used to say, if God had answered all my prayers, I would have married five men before I met Billy Graham. God knows what's best, but sometimes our prayers aren't answered the way we want to see them answered. And life doesn't play along the way we want it to play along. And we can get offended. And the devil wants you to be offended because he wants to take you out of the fight. And he wants to take the fight out of you. Look at verse 12. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. He says, from the days of John the Baptist, there's been this spiritual warfare going on. The devil doesn't want people to come to Christ. The devil doesn't want Christians to live in victory. The devil wants you to be despondent. He wants you to be out of the fight. I'm telling you something. Jesus is the one who knows how to restore your fight. He restores that which the devil tries to steal. He will restore your fight and he'll help you to fight the good fight of faith. And then he says in verses 13 and 14, he says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, verse 14. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who was to come. See, it had been prophesied in the Old Testament that Elijah was coming and he was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's fulfilled in John's ministry. He's the forerunner. He's prepared the way for me. He is Elijah who was to come. But it's interesting that Jesus compares John to Elijah. Because while Elijah was a mighty, powerful man of God who called fire down from heaven, while Elijah put 450 prophets of Baal to death, while Elijah outran King Ahab's chariot 25 miles across the plains of Jezreel, the Bible also says that Elijah got discouraged and Elijah got depressed and Elijah told God, God, I might as well just die. I'm no better than my father's. Dear ones, look at me, hear me, write this down. If John the Baptist can lose his fight, if Elijah for a season lost his fight, then you can lose your fight. I can lose my fight. And that means that I need to be aware of it. And I need to say, I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to keep on with the good fight of faith. Can you say hallelujah? Amen. Amen. Let me give you four lessons that we learn here, four takeaways. Number one, the spiritual fight is always worth fighting. The spiritual fight is always worth fighting. But everything rises and falls on your vision of the Word of God. Everything rises and falls on your vision of the Word of God. Why did Jesus, instead of when John says, are you the one that's coming or do we look for another? Why didn't Jesus say, here's 10 reasons to believe on the Messiah? 
Why did he simply quote from Isaiah 35? Because he knew that what that discouraged man of God needed sitting in that dungeon, what he needed was that sharp two-edged sword that would pierce even to the division of soul and spirit and be a discerner of the joints and the marrow and the deepest intents of the heart. He needed the word of God slicing and dicing and dealing with his own flesh. He needed the word of God because he knew the word of God would build him up. And he knew that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And dear ones, this fight is worth fighting, but you won't be able to fight the good fight of faith if you don't have the promises and the, and the commandments of Jesus and the word of God hidden away in your heart. Now, I'm preaching pretty good. Number two. The second lesson we learned. The first one is this spiritual fight is worth fighting. Number two. The war has already been won. I said the war has already been won. When Jesus declared on the cross, it is finished. And then he died. When he said it is finished, the Bible says there was an earthquake. It said that some of the dead saints rose out of the graves and began walking around the city and were seen by many people. Not only was there a great earthquake, but also the veil of the temple was rent in two. That means it was ripped into the veil of the temple that separated the most holy place from the holy of holies was four inches thick. Anybody here ever seen a curtain that was four inches thick? I haven't either. But God himself, when Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. God himself ripped the veil of the temple in two, signifying that the presence of God would no longer be kept in the Holy of Holies, but the presence of God would now come. Jesus said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high, for you're going to be my witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Holy Ghost has come to fill you and 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 he's made our bodies the temples of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we're not trying to get to God. God's living inside believers. But we got to stir up the gift of God that's within us. We got to act like Jesus is on the throne. When the devil gives you a hard time, you got to learn to say, jump back, Jack, get out of here. I've got authority over you. Don't you come with that mess at me anymore. I'm walking in victory. Glory to God. I'm telling you, this, <laughs> this fight is worth fighting. The war has already been won. Colossians 2.15, Paul put it this way. The same man who said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Listen to this. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers. That's what happened when Jesus proclaimed it is finished. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, the devil was disarmed when Jesus died on the cross. He was disarmed when Jesus rose from the dead. He was disarmed when Jesus ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He was disarmed when the Holy Ghost was sent on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Ghost is still here. Glory to God. You say, well, if the devil's disarmed, why do we have this thing called spiritual warfare? Why does he give me a hard time? I'll tell you why. 
He's been disarmed, but he's not yet been annihilated. You see, one day the devil will be annihilated. One day he will be thrown into a lake of fire. So we're living between the times, between the times that he's been disarmed and between the times he's going to be, disar- he's going to be destroyed and annihilated. But the devil is not equal with God. The devil is not omnipotent or he's not all powerful. He's not omniscient. He's not all knowing. God is omnipotent. God is the creator. The devil is a created being. He has a beginning and he has an end. And I'm telling you, the battle has already been won. And God's just looking for somebody that's going to arise and say, I'm not trying to overcome the devil. The devil's already been overcome. I stand in the victory that Jesus sealed for me on the cross of Calvary. I stand in the victory of the empty grave. I stand in the victory that God has given me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans 16, 20 says, the very God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Shortly after Kathy and I, right after we got married, we're living in a tiny apartment in St. Augustine. And man, we had, a, we had a, an argument over something. I probably, in all my, all my wisdom, I probably told her she didn't cook like my mama did or something like that. Anyway, we were having an argument. And I'll never forget about middle, midway through that argument, Kathy just got quiet. And she walked over to the front door of that apartment. She opened the door and she began to kick her leg and kick and kick and kick. And she said, devil, get out of my house. Devil, I tell this confusion to go in Jesus' name. I'm surprised she didn't cast the devil out of me. I'm going to tell you, you've got authority over the devil. You've got authority because he was disarmed when Jesus died on the cross. They, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, loving not our lives to the death. Number one, this spiritual fight is worth fighting. Number two, the war has already been won. Number three, powerful resources are available to you and me. Powerful resources. Here's the problem. When you lose your fight... Or when the fight has been taken out of you, we tend to lay our weapons down. When we lose our fight, we tend to lay our weapons down. But Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a system of thought. That gets empowered by my emotions and your emotions. That's contrary to scripture. It's contrary to the promises of God. Many times it's demonically instigated. And sometimes it just comes from stinking thinking. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Taking every thought into obedience. We've got some mighty weapons. I want you to know the name of Jesus is a mighty weapon. The blood of Jesus is a mighty weapon. When the night is holding on, as we were just singing, when the night is holding on, so many times I've walked the floors of my house and I just start speaking the name of Jesus. I start speaking the blood 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God is a powerful, powerful weapon. Holy Ghost-filled praying is a powerful, powerful weapon. And not only that, but there's another weapon that sometimes we don't think about, but it's the encouragement that comes from good Christian friends. You say, Pastor Terrell, I'm not quite sure how that works into all this. Well, look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. Paul says, for when we came into Macedonia, came to Europe, we had no rest. We were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within, but look at this. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. I don't know if you're downcast today, but let me just remind you, God wants to comfort you. And he did it this time, Paul says, by the coming of a man who is my friend, who is my buddy, who would speak truth to me in love by the coming of Titus. You say, well, pastor, I just don't have anybody who will come along and encourage me and strengthen me when I'm going through a difficult time. Well, the Bible says to have friends, you've got to show yourself friendly. There have been times I've told God, I said, God, I need somebody to call me. I need somebody to encourage me. There wasn't anybody there. And so I just decided to be an encourager myself. I decided to pick up the phone and I started calling people. Hey, how you doing? I've just had you on my heart. Is there anything I can pray with you about? Can I encourage you? How can I strengthen you? And I've done that to... I've done it, honestly, I've done it, of course I'm a pastor, so I'm different, but I've done it to thousands of people who've never once called me back, who've never once been encourager back to me, but that's okay, because here's the deal, we don't often reap from the same fields that we sow in. Some of you missed that. We don't often reap from the same fields that we sow in, but whatever we reap, we're also going to sow. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. I got a call a week ago Saturday. Somebody called me from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, said, Terrell, I just had you on my mind and I've been praying for you been concerned for you. And he shared with me a scripture. He said, it's from the Passion Translation. You're probably not familiar with that. I said, yeah, I am. I love that translation. And he encouraged me. Now, folks, this was Dr. Garnet Pike, who I met 48 years ago as a college freshman. Because Dr. Garnet Pike was the dean of the School of Christian Ministries at Emmanuel College, and he was my first academic advisor. And he became a good friend and we, 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 we kept up our relationship. Well, fast forward 48 years later, now Dr. Garnet Pike and his wife Frances are in their 80s, living close to their children in Oklahoma City. But the Holy Spirit put me on his heart. So he calls to encourage me. Don't, don't listen to this and say, I wish somebody would do that for me. Go out of here and start calling other people. Before you call them, pray. Pray and get somebody in your heart. Find out who, who's... So, so many times when I go to prayer, you know, if we're not careful, we'll just, we'll pray these machine gun-like prayers for God. 
I ask you to bless my family and bless these and those. And here's my problems and here's my cares. Amen. Talk to you later, God. But what we need to do is just come and say, Holy Spirit, who's on your heart? I often do that. Holy Spirit, what's, what's of concern to you that I can make a difference in? Holy Spirit, who are you thinking about today? And often the Lord will just put somebody in my heart and I'll give them a call and I'll try to encourage them and I'll pray with them. Here's the fourth lesson we learn. Rest has been promised to you. Rest has been promised to you. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Folks, the fight is worth fighting. The good fight of faith, and it is a good fight of faith. You'll never fight this faith You'll never fight this fight if you don't have the Word of God in your heart. And you say, well, Pastor, I just have trouble memorizing. And we'll, we'll just, just find, get yourself a Bible that you can underline in. And I sometimes read digitally. I, I read the Bible digitally. My, my frustration is I can't underline. I know, I know it's possible, but I can never find what I underline when I do it digitally. So I, I, I just stay with paper. But put the Word of God down in your heart. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. As I was praying yesterday, thinking about this service, I just want to minister to those of you that are weary. Oh, you haven't abandoned the fight, but you're just tired. You're weary. Kind of have conflicts on the outside and fears on the inside. See, the devil wants to take you out of the fight. And if he can't do that, he wants to take the fight out of you. But if you say, Terrell, that's me. Again, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I do want you to stand because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you in Jesus' name. You say, Terrell, I'm just weary. I'm just getting tired. I just need help. I said, just stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe there's some more that this applies to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that are standing, let me just prophesy to you. I want you to receive this in the name of the Lord. I rebuke the old devil that's come against you. The old devil may come in one way, but he's got to flee seven ways. And I've just prophesied to you that you're the head and you're not the tail, that you're above and you're not beneath, that God is at work in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. And no good thing will God withhold from you because you walk up rightly before him. Now receive this by faith. God's giving you a merry heart that's doing you good like a medicine. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it's not going to come near your dwelling. The God who started a good work in you is going to bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Faithful is the God that calls you who will also bring it to pass. I bind every devil that would try to discourage in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and I prophesy victory in your life. I prophesy victory and the favor of God in your life in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. You can be seated. Last night as I was just waiting in the presence of God, thinking about this service, I didn't do this in the first service because I felt like it it was supposed to happen in this service, but I just want to want to minister to somebody you've got some stomach issues you've got some digestive issues and i just believe god wants to heal you if that's you if you just stand if you just stand if you're you're experiencing some digestive issues just back here anybody else anybody else want to get in on this somebody you've just got these reoccurring headaches it may be Maybe an allergic related, I don't know, but it, these headaches just won't leave you alone. And I believe God wants to heal you of the headaches. Is, is, is that applied to anybody here? Just, just stand up if that's you. Just remain standing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Somebody else, you've, you've tweaked your right knee. You, I don't know how you did it. I don't know if you're working or playing or just walking around, but you've tweaked your right knee, you've hurt your knee, and I believe God wants to heal your knee today. Is that anybody in here? Somebody else, you've, you've, you've hurt your neck, and I think it's on the right side, I could be wrong, but I think it's, I think it's right back here, you've hurt your neck, and I believe the Holy Spirit is healing you. Is anybody standing because of the neck? I just, okay, okay, several right of here, okay. Somebody else, you've got some cardiovascular concerns and your heart tends to get out of rhythm sometimes. You've got this rhythm of thing going on and I just believe God wants to heal you. Who is that right here? Anybody else? Anybody else with this thing? Finally, I think there's somebody that's been crying out to God for a job. You've just been crying out to God. Maybe, I don't know if you've got a job now or not, but maybe obviously you need something different. You need something new. Who is that that's been crying out to God for about a job? Anybody? Several? Anybody else on this? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just bow your heads. Lord God, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for healing digestive systems today. Lord, I thank you for healing digestive systems in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you for healing headaches and heartaches today. I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you that you're healing whoever that is with a tweet, the right knee, and whoever's hurt their neck, God. I pray healing and wholeness, Lord God, for the person whose heart is out of rhythm. I thank you that the heart's going into rhythm. I pray that never again would this happen. Never again. Lord, for those that are crying out for a job, for maybe it's a job change, but Lord God, I thank you that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord. He takes down one and he puts up another. God, I pray, I pray that within the next 30 days there'll be that new job in Jesus' name. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, Jesus. I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise, Jesus. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed. 
And if you're standing, you can sit down. And I'm not going to be too much longer. But you may be here today. And if you died today, you don't have the assurance in your heart that you'd wake up in heaven. You might say, I'd like to think I'd wake up in heaven, but I'm just not sure. Well, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. But the Bible also says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm a whosoever and so are you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe that you've walked with the Lord, but life hasn't played along. It may be that you've walked with Jesus and you've loved the Lord and Yet you went through some hard times. Maybe you lost a job or lost a loved one. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you went through a financial tragedy. Maybe you were betrayed by your best friend. I don't know what happened. But I want you to know that Jesus stands saying, come unto me. Come unto me. He wants not only relationship, he wants fellowship with you. If that's you, I want you to stick up your hand and Keep it up till I see it. That's it. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just leave your hand up until I see it. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody aloud. Say, Lord God. Come on together. Lord God. Today. I trust the shed blood of Christ. As the full payment for all of my sin. I ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Live inside me. Make me new. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Today is the 23rd of September. Ryan and Andrea Kramer will be moving to Florida sometime in the first first week or so in September and getting their kids in school and or online however, ever, however they do it. They're moving into Crawfordville. Ryan's first Sunday as senior pastor here, will be at the end of September. It will be the 27th of September, the last Sunday in September. Kathy and I will be here until September 13th, okay? So that's three more Sundays after this. Somebody came in and said, I, I, I guess this is your last Sunday, huh? No, you're not going to get rid of us that fast. We'll be here through the 13th. The first Sunday in October which is Sunday, October 4th, is going to be an installation service here for Pastor Ryan. And Kathy and I have been invited back for that. And this week I talked to Brother and Sister Brown, Brother and Sister Bernard Brown. They're going to be here for that. Now, you're the greatest congregation in the world. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? Because you're praying for your pastors. Because you want things to work in the local church. Pastor Wiley T. Davis 
I was here as a teenager under him. Pastor Davis bought this property, built the buildings over here, or at least it was done under his leadership. He was here for 14 years. Church went, we went through a tough spot for a couple of years. Then Pastor Brown came and Pastor Brown was here for 16 years. And in three more weeks, Kathy and I will have been here for 18 years. Now folks, the significance of that is this. Between three pastors, this church, which I'm, the, I'm, I'm pastor number eight in the history of Evangel. But between three pastors, this congregation was served for 48 years. Folks, that's almost unheard of. It doesn't just happen. It happens because there's a praying congregation and there's people that love the Lord Jesus Christ and they, and, and they would rather encourage than discourage. They would want to, when they find something that's not, that's not right, they go and try to solve it instead of just complaining about it. Kathy and I love you. It is a real privilege to be your pastor today. And I'm going to be your pastor through the 13th of next month. We thank God for you. You are the best congregation in the world. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.